Hello, everyone. Welcome to the weekly show of What is School for? My name is I. I'm the CEO of Classroom Without Walls and the host of this weekly live streaming show. You can also listen to the show on the traditional audio-only podcast. Just search What is School for? On this show, I interview leading parenting experts, teachers, educators, students, business leaders, entrepreneurs to come here to discuss, debate, and disrupt education. Our goal is to future-proof the next generation. Today, I'm really, really honored and excited to have Connie Alberts on the show to talk about her uh, recent book, <laughs> Parenting Beyond the Rules. It is such a great book. And we are going to learn how we can parenting, how can we do parenting with joy and confidence. And uh, we're also going to get to know how Connie and homeschools her own kids. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know her, Connie is a national keynote speaker. And uh, I actually discovered her through social media events, uh, the biggest, one of the biggest social media events uh, in the United States. And I, for the longest time, I thought she was in social media until I started reading this book. Connie actually is a parenting and homeschooling expert with more than 20 plus years of experience working with parents and especially teenagers. And parenting is something that I care so much about as a mom and also my entire education, my professional career is devoted to parenting. So I can't wait to dive into the conversation and learn from Connie and also share with everyone a few practical tips that you can apply right away to make parenting easier and more effective to you. And uh, as always, a big shout out to StreamYard. And over the last four years, and I have tried almost all the third party tools to go live on social media, StreamYard is my favorite one. And so thanks to StreamYard for being a sponsor of the show. In the comment section, there's a link for you to check out StreamYard for free for two weeks, so check it out. We are live on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Periscope, and on Twitch. Let me know in the comment section where you are joining us live from, social media-wise and geographically speaking. Without any further ado, my friend, Connie, welcome to the show. Hey, I thanks for having me. I am really excited about our topic today. <laughs> I know, so I'm so excited. This is such a great book, and I can't wait to dive into the you know the details and learn from you and share some tips with our live audience and people who are watching the replay. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have been doing this for 20 plus years, which is uh, really incredible, quite a body of knowledge and experience. So why did you write this book, Parenting Beyond the Rules? What inspired you to write this book? That's one of my favorite questions. What inspired me to write this book is over the course of working with teenagers and and hosting you know hordes of kids at our house, uh, as I was you know as I was raising my own kids, I kept hearing reoccurring themes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that just stood out to me is the fact that as parents like you, you know, we, we create the rules, the limits, the boundaries. I mean, we establish those for our family. You know, what, what does our family stand for? What are our values? And we make those. But what happens is sometimes 
we forget we can adjust them as our children are growing. And all too often, I saw family after family falling apart. Relationships were getting broken at the hand of unbending rules. And that's what led me to write Parenting Beyond the Rules. Mm, I love it. And the, the title is actually very interesting because I think for anyone who becomes a parent, we're always looking at that manual, that instruction, that rule book. So what do you mean when you say parenting beyond the rules? Are you suggesting that we just like forget about the rules, like just do free range parenting? Yeah, no. <laughs> Because we have to have those. Life, society has boundaries and, and limits to it and rules uh, in order for our society to function, for us to live as citizens in a community. There are certain protocols that we have to adhere to and follow. So, no, I'm not suggesting that there aren't any rules. Uh, for instance, we have young children. We, mm -hmm. we say, okay, you can't like play on the stairs. Is that because we're being mean? No, mm -hmm. it's because we don't want them to slip and fall and, and hurt themselves mm -hmm. because they roll down the stairs. There are areas like safety, driving, um, online, uh, friendships, activities that we don't want our children to get involved with. Therefore, we establish what can and what is and isn't allowed mm. uh, there, but there's a lot of other areas. Like when do we have dinner? Do you put the napkin on your lap or not? Who cleans mm. up the kitchen? Do you make your bed or do you do your own laundry or does mom do it? Or do you have somebody that's hired that comes in and does it? There's millions of other little things that goes into parenting that uh, we can adjust. You know, we started off with a curfew. Maybe the curfew is no sleepovers until you get to seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's you can have sleepovers, but if you stay up all night and the next morning you can't get up on a Saturday morning to go to soccer practice, then guess what? No sleepovers for you because you can't handle the extra freedom and privileges that we're giving you. So I we really just want I really wanted to encourage parents as their child grows and changes. We as parents need to adjust our parenting style, mm. need to become more engaged in listening and understanding, and then working together to find a compromise. Maybe they want to stay out till 10 and you're like, nope, nine o'clock. Well, you want nine, they want 10. Let's come and talk about this. We engage our kids as they get older in the decision-making process. Mm. So they learn to not just re view rules, limits, and boundaries. They don't just rule those as arbitrary, set in stone, mom and dad are so mean and so strict. Mm -hmm. They realize those are built in for their safety and for our family, for our family to function. And they're built in to help our family not fall into utter chaos. Totally, totally. I like you dropped so many great points, which reminds me of I, I, I just finished reading another book talking about the collapse of American parenting. And so one point they made is that, you know, parents are becoming more and more permissive, which in your book, and you also mentioned there are different types, there are different styles of parenting, and which is really powerful. I wish I knew this, 
before I became a mom. So I know, wow, there are actually different ways that you can do parenting. So in your book, you give us such an excellent explanation of different parenting styles. So can you briefly mention what are the different parenting styles and explain that to us? Sure. Well, you have the authoritative, the authoritarian. This is my house. These are my rules. This is what we do. And you live in my house. You follow my rules. You obey what I tell you to do. You mm -hmm. have the permissive who is, hey, there are no rules. See ya. Mm -hmm. We are going to have dinner. If you want to show up, show up. It's more allowing the child to kind of dictate the mm -hmm. what you want to do. Then you have the helicopter and the hovering parent. Mm -hmm. Those actually came in as social media was growing. They mm -hmm. were birthed out of a need to protect our children or protect our children from online predators, bullies, so forth. And so the helicopter and the hovering, you know, the hovering just kind of stays around, just making sure everything is okay. Mm. Uh, they'll put some parental controls on, say, the devices. The helicopter obviously is, is just kind of hovering, but they're ready at any moment to dive in and rescue that child who <laughs> might find themselves in trouble. Mm. And I'm not saying there's not a need sometimes for us to dive in really quick and rescue our kids from some situations they don't realize they might be getting into. And then the lawnmower parent, the lawnmower parent, we see quite a bit. Actually, uh, there was a big news story about parents buying their kids way into college. Mm. That's an example of a lawnmower parent. The child doesn't have to work for it necessarily. Mm. The parents just kind of pave the path for them. They'll, they'll mow the lawn so that the kids don't have to get their shoes dirty they don't have to get, you know, experience the rough and tumble necessarily and work through things that are important for adult skills in the marketplace and in life. Mm -hmm. so that's that's basically the the primary um, parenting styles that you'll find the lawnmower parent. <laughs> you know, I as you were a, t a professor, associate professor in, in school, you probably had a few parents call you and say, hey, I want to talk to you about my son. You know, he didn't do really good on that on that exam you gave. And I just want to ask you, you know, little Johnny's a wonderful boy. He's got so much on his plate. Would you? That's the lawnmower parent where. Yeah, like uh, sorry to interrupt you for a second, but oh my God, you are right. I wish I noticed this is only a recent phenomenon because I have been teaching for. 15 plus years i didn't see that type of parenting earlier in my early uh, teaching journey but definitely recently not only call me they will actually show up with their kids in my office and their kid will be like silence don't say a word and the parents will be asking all sorts of questions they said that were courses were career i was shocked when i first saw that do you see that as a recent thing or has been going on for a while Okay, I know that you have all these people watching on all these different platforms, but I have to confess, I did it. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I, as a homeschool parent, I, I knew my kids. I knew their ability, their achievement levels. And when my son was, okay, you're gonna laugh. I mean, all of you just just know if you've ever done anything like this, just, just feel in good company. Uh, my son was in college, had an academic scholarship plus a national merit commended student. And we had some struggles and I, he didn't know how to deal with the uh, guidance counselor. So he asked me to come. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I was just going to go solve his problem. He asked me to come. So I, I went. I didn't think much about it. Oh, my word. That guidance counselor looked at me like you brought your mother. 
<laughs> and, and I was explaining, listen, he's got these different, it was some credits. He had passed an AP exam. Mm. But he didn't want to apply it for AP credit. I know that sounds strange, but he didn't because he was going in engineering. He had passed the AP calculus exam, but he just didn't want to get those extra credits so that he mm. could cut out of that college class. He wanted to take college calculus 101. Hmm. He wasn't quite sure how the whole thing went. And I thought, well, this is easy. We can just explain. And she listened to me and she probably did what you did. She looked over at my son and says, is this your mom? <laughs> it was at that moment I realized, oh, this is, this is not okay. Hmm. And I, that's what kind of got me talking about it. I believe most parents that let's say they they hover their helicopter-ish, mm -hmm. their lawnmower-ish. I believe most of them, it's because they have a, a sincere desire mm -hmm. to help their child, not to make it easy so their child never has to work for anything. But I just think that they view their children maybe not as equipped to handle something. Mm -hmm. They need parents' intervention. When in reality, if I would have backed up and realized, no, he could have handled this just fine. I could have stepped back and just told him what to say when he goes in there. And I didn't need mm -hmm. to show up. That's why we want to be super careful. We, we handicap our kids when we go before them using our adult minds and reasoning skills and negotiation skills. Mm -hmm. We actually hurt and hinder them from figuring it out. Yeah, I love this. I love this. And uh, I here's uh, Lance comment joining us live in Australia. His, in his experience has been going on for quite a few years. And interesting now, as in, now as I recall this, my parents probably did something similar, right? It, as you mentioned, Connie, it is really out of our genuine love for our kids, the, the need to protect, to, to, you know, to make sure everything's good. But like, I think the hard part of being a parent is that recognize that and have the ability to stop ourselves from doing that. Yeah. Do, do, do you have any tips for that? You know, I mean, you have five kids and I always, we all know the saying, every kid is different. So talking about different parenting styles. So, did you apply different parenting style to each kid or they are kind of all very similar given that they come from the same family, same background, same parents. Can you share that with us? You know, I love that question. Yes, we had, we had our family values. We had uh, things that were important to us that we expected out of the kids. Like, Hey, you're not going to lie to us. Um, you're not going to cheat. You're not going to steal. You're not going to hurt your siblings. I mean, so there were basics that I don't really, I don't care what your personality mm -hmm. is or what your gifts, strengths, and talents are. This is, these things are just not okay. Mm -hmm. However, yes, I had to parent all of them different. And I'll give you an example. My oldest son is very left brain. He's very logical, sequential, math and science driven. He, he was a, he is a natural learner. So he would read something once and he'd get it and he'd take the exam and he'd get an A. Well, my second child is, uh, is an artist. I mean, she's a creative through and through. And for her, she had to taste it, feel it, experience it, write about it, draw about it. Mm. And, and it would take her all day to grasp, like to fully immerse herself in something before she, quote, got it. So what I learned early on is how I taught him, how I spoke to him had to be different than how I spoke yeah. 
Sure. And here's an example. Everyone has a filter through which they hear. So I may be talking to you and your experience says, um, I, I may say to you, did you do the dishes? You might hear me say, I'm accusing you of not doing the dishes because I'm questioning you. Well, you may have like my daughter, if I said, did you do the dishes to her, it would be a nice reminder. Oh yeah, I forgot because I was off drawing or watching birds or, you know, something, painting mm -hmm. something. So when you have multiple children, I really strongly recommend, or when, when you have any children, one child, two children, mm -hmm. that you spend time studying what they do, that they just lose all track of time. Mm -hmm. where, where is it that, that you can just find them and you're having to say, hey, come on, we got dinner, dinner's cold, come on, stop doing that. Take note, take mm -hmm. note of what, you, what your children do and how your children are wired. And then think about this, what you say, you want it to land in a tender place of your child's heart. Mm -hmm. And that happens when you know it's gonna go through a grid system and it's going to get all twisted into their own little way, and then it's going to land. So mm -hmm. you can frame how you speak and how you say things and, and, and even how you plant ideas differently based on the kids. So does it take time? It does. But the rewards are phenomenal. It's mm -hmm. such a worthwhile investment. Wow, it is so powerful to hear this. I, I really wonder, everyone can share in the in the comments that how many parents actually take the time to observe our own kids. And I think I'm also guilty of interrupting my children like when they are really they lost track of time and space, you know, for example, drawing and building that piece of Lego. So are you saying like when the dinner's ready, we should just like let them keep doing what they're doing? Once they finish, we can re warm up, reheat the dinner and let them eat. Is that kind of uh, what you recommend us doing or? No, you know why? Because you're still trying to develop a family. And as our kids, and I talk about this in the book, uh, we wanted our children to want to do life with us, not mm -hmm. turn the tassel at 18 and say, see ya, mom and dad. Thanks for the upbringing. Thanks for the car. But mm -hmm. I'm done. I... I believe, as we see, I did a podcast on generational living. We're seeing mm -hmm. that more and more. I, I want to plant the idea in parents' minds of let's let's get this mindset of doing life together as opposed to segmented. So if a child shows up to dinner when they feel like it, well, that breaks that family dinner time mm -hmm. where rich conversations can be discussed, you know, current events, uh, things that are happening in, in a child's life. So no, I don't recommend that. But what I do suggest is if you have a child that gets very focused in a particular project or thought, or maybe they're reading a book, give them a time frame. Say, hey, sweetie, I'm starting dinner. It's going to be ready in 30 minutes. Just like when you are announcing that we're getting ready to go live on the mm -hmm. live today. You let everybody know ahead of time, hey, mm -hmm. wrap up that project you're working on and make sure you head on over because we're going to be doing a live stream and you don't want to miss it. Mm -hmm. same, same idea with our children. 30 minutes, sweetie, we're going to be we're going to be having dinner 
or 15 minutes, give them an advanced time and not be abrupt. One, it'll keep you less angry because they're not listening to you. And you feel like, hey, you don't appreciate the fact that I made you dinner. And two, it'll keep them, it'll help them not be resentful. You have now interrupted them when they were right at the best part of the book. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. I love this comment from Pooja, which is a, a young lady based in India. Thank you for joining us live. And she said that. Thanks for sharing this. And I feel like the differences that you share with us, most people don't even know, right? Like I'm really fascinated by gender differences and age, like parenting, different styles. It really makes a profound difference to not get our own filters involved when we are interpreting our own children's behaviors, but actually look at it from a much more objective stance. So I, I love how you mentioned that too. And here is, which is actually uh, a, a one question that I have. So Stella mentioned my right? parents often interrupting their kids, they, they, they just find it is hard to listen. And you have a fascinating chapter in the book talking about listening. And uh, you wrote, like, actually I have it here. You said that the second biggest complaint and from like teenagers that you have been working with is that my parents don't listen. They do not have the listening skills. But I feel like it is kind of funny. Like when I talk to most parents, they think that like myself, I think I'm a pretty good listener. If you ask my husband, well, yeah, we listen to our kids all the time. But then reading your book, like, wow, that's a number, number second, the second complaint from the teenagers. There is a big gap, right? So what is going on there? And how can we close this listening gap? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so you know how we sometimes as, we do it in work. We do it in life. Uh, if, if you're married, maybe you do it to your spouse where you're halfway listening. You know, you're you're doing something and you're sitting there going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, your child knows that you're not really fully listening to them, mm -hmm. which is why sometimes they'll say, mom, what did I just say? <laughs> so they, <laughs> because they can tell. Uh, so the the two, uh, my two favorite chapters in Parenting Beyond the Rules is monitoring your mouth and listening up. And the reason why is uh, parents often say, but I can't get my kids to talk to me. And I'm like, oh, your kids want to talk to you. Are you asking the right questions? Are you available? Are, are you listening to learn? Or are you listening so that we can quickly, because we're moms, we're older, we know what's best for our children. Uh, we listen so that we can help them figure it out. You know, in three simple steps, I can tell you what to do with that problem. They don't want your three simple steps. Mm. They want you to listen to them. Some, uh, sometimes it's so that they can externally process. I, mm -hmm. I wrote about that in the book. If you remember my daughter, I was, I was mm -hmm. trying to ask her questions. I was trying to get all the details. My goal was to help her fix her problem. And that's when in the book, I talk about how she was sharing something that was troubling her. I was asking questions and she just, just abruptly said, mom, stop. And I'm like, what? She goes, I don't need you to fix my problems. Mm. I, just, I need you to listen. I mm. can solve my own problems. You've taught me how to solve problems. Mm. I just need to hear myself solve it. I'm like, that was so powerful for me to realize we can't listen to, we can't talk at our children. We have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. We have to 
engage in conversation. We have to ask the right questions at the right time when it's fitting, when their defenses aren't up. We have to allow them to share hard things, hard things without us grounding them, taking away the keys, restricting them, telling them they can't, you know, taking their devices away, telling them they could never, you know, use social media again until they move out of the house. I mean, we, we have to be careful that our listening is intentional and our kids can know when we are listening intentionally or when we're just passively listening. Mm. And, and one of the ways, one of the best ways we can do that, especially if you're a working mom. And, and now that COVID has hit the world, parents are, they're, they're pulled in a, a, a bazillion different directions. You know, they have deadlines, they have bosses, they have other commitments. Maybe they have other children. Maybe they're trying to figure out this virtual learning thing, whatever it is. Kids will understand if you pause what you're doing when they say, mom, can we talk? I always say, is this an emergency or can it wait until I finish whatever it is that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, five minutes, and then I can listen or do I need to stop right now? Because if it's an emergency, somebody's something's broken or bleeding or someone's bleeding. Yeah, I, I need to stop right now. Mm -hmm. But if it's you want to talk about how your BFF has just talked bad about you online and you're really hurt, you're still going to be hurt in 10 minutes. Let me finish this. And I promise I will. The key, though, is stopping, mm -hmm. stopping and honoring your word. That means the that that means so much to your kids because now you have elevated them to a place that they know they matter, mm -hmm. that this is important to me. And when they see that you honor your word, sometimes they'll say to you, don't worry, mom, I can we can talk about it tonight at bedtime. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's so powerful. I, I, it reminds me the other day, my son just told me, he was telling me something, he was really excited. I was working on an email or something. And then he said, oh, you're not listening. Never mind. He walked away. Then I felt, I, I feel really, really bad. So I love how you mentioned, you know, stop, really honor that moment. And I at least have a brief conversation. He it's urgent. If urgent, I'm going to drop everything. And then at least the kid felt like that he or she is like listened to, right? So I, I love it. And I love this coming from Stella, right? Sometimes they just want to listen for like feeling that I'm, I have, I'm hurt, right? I'm hurt. Someone's listening to me. That's a great feeling. Mm -hmm. I want to follow up on what you said. I also hear and empathetic listening for sure, right? Lance and Stella, I liked both of your comments. Yeah, and you said this, and are you asking the right question? So what are the right questions? Can you give us some examples? Well, yes. For example, great ways to get your kids talking about what's really going on in their heart is don't start with, the hard questions. Start with a softball question. Start with, uh, how are your friends doing? How how mm -hmm. did how did your best friend do in that math test that mm -hmm. you thought they were going to fail? And they start talking about them. Oh well, what did you tell her? What did you tell him? Um, how how did it actually turn out? Or other examples. Ask questions that are indirect about their friends about them in general how are you feeling did you, are you hungry did you get a snack do you need a snack whatever once you can kind of engage them a little bit then you can ease into the harder conversations of hey i i noticed that you have been off a little bit i, I you, you've been maybe been quick tempered mm -hmm. with your brother or sister I've, I've seen you snap at them a few times or you know push them and slam the door in their face or whatever it is mm -hmm. and 
And then you invite them, you give them permission to share what's going on in their heart. But here's the key. You cannot overreact and you can't react immediately with a, oh no, you know you're not supposed to do that. They know they're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. They're probably feeling this internal, like I shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that and I have really messed up, mm-hmm. but I want I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that are listening, remember, your kids are talking to somebody and my encouragement is let it be you. It is so powerful. That is so, so, so powerful. It reminds me, you know, nowadays with like some of the common questions, which I want the question I have for you is like social media and also video games. So like when you look at children's social media apps, they are talking, right? And they are talking, even the parents feel like I just ban my kids to have access to social media, but somehow they figure it out. They are, they are talking. So let that person be you. Oh, that is... That is so, so, so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And how about those times? You know, I what I learned is I work with other people's children and I work with parents. It is so much easier to educate other people's kids than my own. It is very, very, a lot, 10 times harder to educate a parent in my own case. So there are definitely times that, you know, I wanted to listen. I want to really connect, right? Like connect with my kid first and then ask the hard questions. But like, how do we as parents manage our own emotions when things go wrong so that we don't say things, which I'm guilty of saying sometimes to our kids that, oh, my God, why did I even say that? But you are under that, you know, emotional, I call this amygdala hijacking moment. Like when you are under that moment, like, what do you do? Do you ever have moments that you just lost it? And how... How do you pause? How do you stop? And give us some like tips that we can apply. I was doing an interview once and this woman, uh, when we finished, she said, so are all your kids perfect? Did you just like, were you like the perfect mom? And I just burst out into laughter because I can't tell you how many times I went to bed um, exhausted and I would cry myself to sleep, get mascara all over my pillowcase because of what I said that, man, I wish I hadn't have said, or what I didn't say that really needed to be said, but I didn't have time to go there. Mm -hmm. Yes, it happens. There, if that happens, if you don't say something you should have said, you can always have the opportunity to pick a time and have that conversation. If you've said something you really regret saying, three simple words, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mom didn't mean, dad didn't mean to, to speak to you like that or to say that. I, I didn't think first before it came out of my mouth. And, and that's not your fault. That That's mine. And I want you to know that I, I'm, I will be more intentional to be slower to speak. When, when you get in the heat of the moment and those conflicts arise, <laughs> you know, kids just do dumb stuff sometimes. I mean, they just they don't think because they're children and even your teenagers, they don't think because their brain's not fully mm-hmm. developed. So we have to, uh, we have to manage our own expectations. What are we expecting? And are our expectations aligned with their maturity level, with their ability to think, process, act? Sometimes mm-hmm. like your risk taker children, no, they have a thought and they act. You know, they'll think about it later, usually after something's broken or they've fallen off the bike or whatever it is. And then they'll be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So we have to give ourselves some 
some grace, we have to press pause. If you're in the middle of a heated conversation with your children, maybe your child has a bad attitude. Maybe they're mad at you. Maybe they're mad at their best friend, but they wouldn't dare tell your best their best friend because see their best friend might then take to social media mm-hmm. and start bullying them or not be you know not being their friend anymore. But they feel safe with you mm-hmm. because you're not going to unfriend them. You're mm-hmm. not going to talk bad about them to other people. So they maybe they say things to you that hurt you, hurt your feelings. Uh, sometimes maybe they even point out your faults, your weaknesses, and it can it can be painful. So press pause specifically. Just stop. Just press pause mm-hmm. and say, hey, listen, we need to calm down a little bit. Do you want to start this conversation again? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go sit down on the couch? Not at, you know, not at the kitchen table where we're going to have a meeting and everybody is like tense. Can you sit down on the couch? Do you want to go for a walk? Um, and then ask them about it or say, you know what? You're really angry right now. And, and what we talk about is it's not going to come out the way you mean it to, which will then just lead to a bunch of regrets, maybe hurt feelings, maybe a wounded spirit. So why don't we just take a break? You go to your room for about 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to go to my room (laughs) because I'm actually kind of mad at you too. And we're going to just think about this and then let's come back. And when we come back, start the conversation in a, in a way that lets them know, Hey, I'm for you. I am your greatest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I want you to either learn, or I want to help you, or I want our relationship to not be hurt or harmed because of this encounter. And that is possible. And and part of parenting beyond the rules is so that you can enjoy a, a rich relationship with your kids when you don't have to, when they don't have to come around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often say I wanted my kids when they had moved out of the house to call me on Thanksgiving and say, well, now, you know, it's text, but to text or call and say, hey, mom, what time's Thanksgiving dinner? You know, that's probably one of my favorite uh, times because we're just, you know, we're all together and there's no expectation other than just being together. Um, other people's might be Christmas, but just call and say, Hey mom, when are we having dinner mm-hmm. instead of this? Um, hi, sweetie. I just was checking you. You are coming home for Thanksgiving, right? We're having dinner at five. You've already gotten work off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a check mark on their to-do list. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to go back to their friends and say, I got to go home. Otherwise, my mom's going to be mad at me. No, I wanted them to, hey, I wouldn't miss that. If I miss it, I, I, wanted, I wanted my kids to kind of experience that fear of missing out. They're going to mm-hmm. miss out on a lot of fun conversations and just laughter and being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. You give us so many great tips. I, I love this. It's like, you know, I, I think that's why, you know, being a good parent is also an inside out approach. We have to be a good person first, right. In order to, to have that emotional intelligence. And I, I'm slowly to implementing this when we are like, it is so much easier when your kids are young, right? You, you talk about this, Connie, like when children are young, we can easily fix this and that. But when they're older, I realize there are definitely more moments where I caught myself, I just want to scream. I like, why, 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 why do you do this to me? So I, but like what you mentioned is that just pause. And sometimes it takes me because I'm a very emotionally sensitive person. Maybe 20 minutes, not even enough for me to calm down, to have like a reasonable conversation. 
maybe like the next day when I'm a lot more relaxed, not being so triggered, and then have a conversation. But have that pause to like stop can prevent so many disasters from happening. Saying things that you like you truly don't mean. So I. I love that. I love that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, just remember, this isn't about control. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you if you caught that in the book, but what happens as the children are growing up, they're becoming adults, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to slowly allow more and more freedom. They might they might fail. You know, they might pitfall. They might they might miss that curfew because maybe you have a child who just gets caught up in the moment and they lose all track of time. Uh, you. What happens is what we see as like when our kids are talking to us like that confrontation, what we view as they're just talking back. They're just mm -hmm. trying to push back. They don't they don't want to respect me. They don't want to follow our rules or, put, or the limits. You know, they want to do what they want when they want. And that frankly, that's just not going to work in our house. Mm -hmm. um, we view what they say as control. Mm -hmm. And what our kids view, what we say, what we, what our kids view, what we say is we're trying to control them. Mm. What we view, our kids are saying is that they just want, they're rebelling against us. Mm. And we can step back and say, you're not trying to rebel. You're trying to grow up. I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to help you, guide you as you make wise decisions along the path, knowing that you're going to make a few unwise, poor decisions. And we're not going to always agree on the approach to, to things. We have to realize peer pressure is huge. It's, it's far more impactful uh, now, 2021. I'll just say that 2021, you know, basically a year has fun, has really changed the nature of, of how we do life. Mm -hmm. The good thing is, Families, more families are actually doing life together and they're doing well. We hear about the times that some aren't, but in general, they're doing really well. Parents are learning like what their kids do, what weaknesses they have, what strengths they have. Parents are realizing where they're struggling in school. Maybe maybe they're having a hard time reading. Maybe they don't understand those math problems. Uh, maybe they don't really care about history. You know, they just they like the people's names, but they can't remember the dates. Um and so, and they're playing together. They're playing more board games together. They're going on more bike rides together. Mm -hmm. They are actually, it's a beautiful thing in the midst of all that's been difficult. Uh, but when we realize that sometimes we have to ignore what they say in the heat of the moment because they're really not saying what they're really trying to say and allowing them to come back and say, all right, I know I said this. It isn't what I meant to say. I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings, mom, which my kids are always like, mom, I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings. And I'm like you, you know, mom is, I think moms, we just take it to heart because those are our kids. Um, but I, they would come back and they say, can we just start over? We have to let them start again. Hmm. Not expect that the first time they're going to try to explain whatever mess is going on with them at that moment that they're going to get it right. They're going to perfectly articulate exactly how they feel. That isn't going to happen. No, yeah, yeah. But you said this yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. You said this. This is the first thing you said. Scratch that. What is it you really mean? Hmm. We'll find that they'll talk more and they'll respond and engage better with us. 
Totally, and I love how you know earlier you mentioned that for children and their thinking brain is not even fully developed from the books that I read for boys. Their thinking brain is not fully developed until they're thirty. For girls, it's like it's not fully developed until they're twenty-two. So, like we have to really help them and be patient with our kids to allow their brain to become like fully functioning. Adults, yeah, yeah. So here is a, a great question from Puja asking. You know, like going back to what we said earlier, parents we have intentions, genuine love and care for our kids. So how can parents help their children to follow their dreams? And、uh, because she's talking about her life in India, and、uh, most parents want their kids to pursue what. The parents want, and I think we also see this in the U.S., right? And I grew up in China. It's definitely a common phenomenon. That's why I got my PhD. It's mainly for my parents, I get the highest degree possible. And so, what、uh, what advice do you have for parents who are, you know, projecting their own dreams and wishes onto their own kids? And、uh, I definitely see this in the U.S. Do you also see this? I do. Again, it kind of goes back to parents want. What's absolutely best for their children, and and your family. What was best is that you get that PhD because they knew that's a differentiator in society.、Mm-hmm. That people will address you differently. They will. Oh, you're a PhD. You'll have more opportunities in the higher academia world、uh, than somebody who just graduated high school. So their、mm-hmm. desire was they saw something in you, and then they. Kind of facilitated and nudged a little bit, and you must have been, you know, willing to do what your parents said. Like, okay, mom and dad, and maybe I don't want this, but I'll, I'll do it.、Uh, I don't know if you regret it or not, but you know, it's, it's true, Pooja, that parents. We have to be very careful that we're not painting our kids' dreams. And I'm going to show you this because this is a, you know, I, I use this book a lot. You can tell. I want you to notice something. There's a paint swash here, swath here, with different colors. There's a broad stroke. There's a little tiny dot right over here. Different color. There's five different paintbrushes. People say, "Is that for your five kids?" Yeah, it is. But here's the key: every paintbrush is different.、Mm-hmm. Every paintbrush has different colors. Your children are a masterpiece in the making, and you, as a parent, get the opportunity. To help mold, form, and shape them into the person they are to become. So, if we go back to what I said earlier about studying your children, find out what it is they can just get engrossed with all day, and and they they just spend all day doing it, and absolutely love it and lose track of time.、Mm-hmm. That's an indication that something is there. Let's explore that. Let's dive in. Let's let's see where this goes. And、mm-hmm. I'll a, a, an example of how. I'm how that worked in my family. Obviously, I have five, and I, I'm not telling you about all of them,、uh, just because y'all don't want to hear about all five of them. But the starkest contrast is my older child, my son, is the logical, math, science, natural learner, very technical, very detailed, exact, precise. And I started noticing that in him when I he would get the Lego set, he didn't use the instructions. He just looked at the bag. And he figured it out. Now my daughter,、eh, she wasn't really into Legos. Her favorite thing is if I got her a new box of color pencils.、Mm-hmm. And when she was younger, she came, she ran in the kitchen. And she's like, "Mom, look, come, come to my room right now." I'm like, "Okay," did not knowing what I would find. 
And she was like, look. And she pointed to the bedroom, her bedroom wall. And she goes, look at my masterpiece mm -hmm. with crayons. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> now, coloring wasn't okay to do on our walls. I wouldn't highly recommend it. And I didn't want to encourage her. But I knew in that moment I had an opportunity to fuel and, and nurture the, the desire and the passion that she had or to squelch it by saying, sweetie, you know, don't you get paint on that wall again or you're going to be in a lot of trouble or, and I'm going to take your, your crayons away or whatever they were at that time. I didn't do that. I pointed out the beauty of her masterpiece and told her what it looked like and tell and had her tell me about it. The next day I bought some paper, put it on the wall and I said, hey, let's not color on the wall. Can you do it on the paper? <laughs> and, and it worked. And why am I sharing that story? Because the way I taught my son is I painted pictures of possibilities for him, mm -hmm. of what I saw in him. And I call it planting, planting seeds of possibilities. I would plant an idea, not my idea. It's based off what I see with your strengths and weaknesses. Let's just say somebody, we talked about the, the, math, the child in math. Somebody who really struggles with math is not likely to become like, an accountant, mm. somebody who is really, really good at, um, uh, I, I can't think of the other one, but the, the financial account, they're, they're not going to be that. But when you study them and you start to see, I see how you can solve problems in your mind. I, mm. I see how you can think five steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And this just kind of comes naturally to you. Have you considered or... And if for all you listeners, write this down. It's something I say all the time. But I just say, hey, sweetie, you might want to consider exploring this idea. Mm. You might want to think about this. So what I did with my now engineering son and what I do with my artistic child is I fueled her with, I put steps before her that would help develop her creativity. I didn't put her in the box and say, here's a coloring book, color inside the lines. I said, here's a sketch pad, have at it. Mm. My son, it was, he's not going to sit there and draw and sketch. He needed to. So his was always draw this building, mm. and draw the building exactly to a T with perspective because he was an engineer. Engineers need to know. At that time, they needed to know how to draw and be precise. Otherwise, what they design won't work or people could get hurt. So I hope that's an example of knowing your child is a masterpiece. Every masterpiece is, an, is a unique original. We're not a factory assembling product that you use different strokes, different brushes. You, you, you lay the foundation of character and, and, and love and academics, and then you pepper it with what they're interested in and then let them go with it. If they're not interested, they're going to, if, if it's really not for them, they're going to lose interest and they'll find another thing to pursue for a while. The whole goal during the childhood is helping them discover their strengths and and then learn how to manage their weaknesses i love it so it's really like as a parent we're more of facilitator right we observe our kid and we provide as you mentioned connie like resources to facilitate them to explore their 
passions, you know, discover their strengths. I love it. And here's a, a, a great comment from Stella, kind of resonating what we were talking about earlier when we were asking, answering Puja's question, right? Because we're constantly projecting our own dreams and wishes on our kids. And I see this all the time. And then when they go to school in the traditional school environment, they need permission from the parent, from, from the teachers at home, they need permission from the parents. And then by the time they grow up like 20s, they they like like I used to feel that way. I don't know if you ever feel that way, Connie. Like, can I actually do this myself? I feel like I need the permission, maybe not from my parents, but from a coach, from a guru, like actually give me the permission that okay, I can do this. So I definitely see how like parenting, the formal school structure is influencing our kids to really do they can't do anything without that permission from an authority figure. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to your whole your business classroom, mm -hmm. classrooms without walls. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the beauty. That should be the purpose of education, fostering thinking, fostering exploration. I mean, we're living in a season as as you were promoting our time together. You're talking about disruption. We are living in the most disruptive seasons mm -hmm. you and I have ever lived through. Right. Mm -hmm. Disruption. Always comes innovation. Duncan Wardle, who worked for Walt Disney for 30 years in the innovation department. He I love him. I interviewed him too. Yeah, he's I I just very I, I have so much respect for him. We both worked at Disney together. So we kind of got that whole we have this Disney mindset. Uh, mm -hmm. it's ingrained in you, and then it stays with you for the rest of your life, which is kind of what you were saying. If we teach our children that the only time they can take the next step is if they're given permission, mm -hmm. then they never gain the confidence to step out on their own. They never gain the confidence to become who they are without fear that somebody's going to disapprove of them or mm -hmm. without fear that they might fail. They need to know you might fail. It might not work out. It might not be the right time. You may not have the skill set for it, mm -hmm. but try. Try. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. as parents have to continually breathe life into them and encourage them to take another step as long as it doesn't cause upheaval in our home. And mm -hmm. again, that goes back to the whole, we do have rules, limits, and boundaries. I, my college kids, which is why I mentioned generational living, my college, my children all lived at home while they went to college. And the reason our family chose that is we didn't want any debt, no student loans, no college prepay, no, no, no debt. We wanted them to graduate without any debt, start from zero and work and then go from there. And and so the, the, the point of all of that is um, disruption leads to innovation. Mm -hmm. Innovation means allowing your kids to be adventurous, to be risk takers, to be creative, to try new things that maybe they didn't know that they were actually good at. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't, maybe they thought they would be phenomenal at it and they realized they didn't like it. It just mm -hmm. yeah, they're good at it, but they're not passionate about it. So we start with their interests and then we look at their talents. Do you have the talent for that? And then we start to develop the talent. And, and once they start to develop that talent, then they can see, will this take me further in the direction that I would want to go in or maybe not? But that's something that we as parents, as educators, as a society 
need to be breathing life into our children that it's okay to take a step and to learn and try things that you haven't tried before. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. And that's why I love homeschooling so much because I can really observe my kids like firsthand. And I also noticed that we don't have to do so much kind of, you know, unlearning because when they were going to school, they will, they will develop all those like limitations, self-limiting beliefs from either their teachers or their peers. And uh, I, I think parents need to understand that it is not sufficient to just rely on a school to educate our kids. Whatever approach that we take, that it is so important that parents get involved in this journey, this process. And uh, so, yeah, I think you just give us lots of great tips. We only have a few minutes left. I definitely want to talk about social media. And it's funny, as I mentioned earlier, for the longest time, I thought Connie is like a social media guru because that's how we connected. I didn't know that she's actually a parenting expert. Social media is one question that parents and otherwise video games and uh, social media is the one common question that parents just come to me and ask me all the time and I said this so many times that social media it in itself is not going to make or break a person but how we are using it makes a huge difference it is so refreshing for me to read in your book that you share a similar approach you said that social media is not bad but that's why we need to educate our kids regarding how to use social media when to use social media and what to post on social media so can you like elaborate on your perspective on social media because that is a, such a common question and many parents as you mentioned earlier like you cannot do this otherwise i'm going to confiscate all of your social media devices i don't recommend that it's going to hurt the relationship between the kid and the parents so share with us and maybe share some stories with us how you helped your your own children or other teenagers that you work with to have a more constructive and balanced relationship with social media yes well like i said in the book technology is not inherently evil technology mm -hmm. helps us survive right it helps us do what we're doing we're reaching you know all of your all of your listeners probably thousands and thousands of people so technology isn't bad it's mm -hmm. it's just it is a device it's a tool it's a resource however what we don't want to do is keep it and there's a balance so i, mm -hmm. I have to say it in two different ways some of your children can't handle they're not mature enough to make wise decisions and not, maybe not click around in places they shouldn't be because mm -hmm. they can get themselves in real trouble mm -hmm. and i you know having older kids i've watched a lot of kids get in a lot of trouble um mm -hmm. most of it is just because it starts with a few clicks and they don't know either when to stop when to turn it off or how to say no uh, on the other hand you have other children that they see it as a way to talk to their friends and they're very, you know, social and extroverted and, and they just want to keep up with everybody. Mm -hmm. the, the way I approached it is teach your children how to create a positive social footprint. As mm -hmm. you already know, uh, employers, college admissions departments, what is the first thing they do when a student is either applying for college or uh, they're applying for a job? They go check out their social media. Is this a is this a kid who will under who will make our business look good because they are an extension of our business? You know, do they post you know violence? Do they do they post things that are not appropriate? Mm -hmm. 
what do they post or are are they creating communities are they encouraging others are they causing others to aspire to something else are they putting their voice behind like a a a, a, a uh, like a nonprofit that they're very supportive of for instance we can use and teach our kids how to use social media for commerce like you and I. And, you know, I, I am a social media guru. It's where I've spent many years working is helping people and brands understand how to leverage social media. And I was doing it in two fields, one with my kids and one with um, businesses. So the two kind of converged together, which is how we met. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get to see that question, but you have to consider the child, considers the child's uh, maturity, consider the child's motive. If your child is very insecure and they're running to social media for affirmation and everything is they need to be constantly told how good they are, how pretty they are, how wonderful, mm -hmm. then you've got an that child's struggling with identity and you'll want to mm -hmm. address that. Doesn't mean you strip them from it, but you want to help them work on that core need of needing to belong and needing to find a sense of identity. The next part is if your child uh, wants to get an online business, well, if you're if you are good in technology, help them do that. If they're not, help them find a cause like maybe it's the Humane Society or the Red Cross. I know we have people all over the world, but a, a cause that they deeply care about, maybe trafficking, whatever it is, and then show them they have a voice. Mm -hmm. Kids want to know they have a voice and that their voice matters. And you and I, as parents, get to help our children learn how to use that voice, mm -hmm. how to use that platform for mm -hmm. good, and that will benefit them their whole life. Amen. I oh my God, you know, music to my ears. I I so agree. I mean, just like even this week, I did a few workshops for high school students in the U.S. And one of them, you know, uh, Connie and I were just talking about this before we went live. So the school, the entire school, they are very anti-social media. They are so afraid, so much uneducated fear when it comes to social media. But when I was giving the workshop to the students, I asked them, "Hey, how many of you are on TikTok?" everybody how many of you are on instagram everybody how many of you are on youtube everybody so right so rather a better approach is to really educate them have that healthy relationship you know be a creator i, I love the example you give us find something that you are really passionate about and use your voice to make a difference to me this is a much better healthier approach and probably harder approach than just like let's not talk about this this thing is so bad so bad don't yeah that, i i just love that i just love that very very good piece of advice yeah thank you thank you and i love this uh from uh alice said that you know too many parents rely on schools to to, to you know take care of they completely outsource parenting education to their to their kids I mean it's wrong like next week I, I don't know if you know the study Connie so I'm going to uh, interview actually a professor on my show next week so she studies children who attend high achieving schools and what she discovered over decades of research that children who are attending high achieving schools like private competitive schools, they are actually having more problems than kids who just go to a public school. And the level of their mental health issues is the same as 
children grow up in poverty in foster care who have parents in prison. Like I, I, when you read the study, I, like I want to hear about. I want to hear what she says about that. Oh, it's like based on decades of research. I'm interviewing her next week, but I can share some links with you. But just resonating with this point, right? Like you think just because we send our kids to the best school, everything is taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, to, we have to have that mindset that we're we're building a family here and mm -hmm. our family is going to do life together. My kids are now all grown and and I'm able to kind of speak to, well, how did it work out for you? Mm -hmm. uh, I can tell you one thing my kids have said often and they're all adults, all actually they're all even graduated college. And so they're all out there doing their thing. And yeah, I, I, you. <laughs> I will tell you, they they know when the chips are down, when one of them has lost a job like that happened in COVID, when somebody has been hurt or in a wreck or they're just down, you know, life has dealt them some emotional blows. Mm. They are all rallying to each other, mm. support each other, or mm. I'll, get, I'll be chatting with one of my kids and I'll, and they'll say, oh yeah, I had dinner the other night with, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, I'm not coordinating this. I'm not saying to these kids, hey, check in on your brothers and sisters. They're doing it amongst themselves mm -hmm. because they learned these are the people we're going to do life with. And in order to have what we want, we have to nurture and protect the relationships. And like your last person posted, we can't out we can't outsource that. Mm -hmm. We can't outsource that and have the relationships we'd long for. Uh, well beyond 18 years. That's only 18 Christmases. I want way more than 18 Christmases. I want way more than, you know, 18 summer breaks. I, I want a vacation with them, which we do, you know, we, it's, we're getting ready to go on a big family vacation, everybody, and they're paying their own way mm -hmm. uh, this coming May. Uh, so it, it's not been easy but it is doable. And those people, those kids that you mentioned that you spoke to that raised their hands, I just wonder how many of them, their parents knew they had accounts. Oh. And I wonder how many of those kids haven't ventured into some of those anonymous apps that so uh, are so luring to young minds that uh, can, can get sucked into that, especially if they're struggling with identity or self-confidence and things like that. So yeah, I just wanted to to really validate that point. We don't want to send them out at 18 years old, ill-equipped to step into a very complex world. Exactly. Exactly. It's better to develop the skills or develop their skills to handle those situations. They're like, wow, you know, I, I know nothing about it because I grew up in a bubble and now I have to learn this when I'm like 20 years old. That's way too late. Rather start earlier, have some mistakes build the resilience muscle and learn cultivate the skills to handle this. Yeah. But anyway, what a great conversation. I didn't even realize we have been talking for an hour already. So like share with us, uh, Connie, where can people get a copy of your amazing book? And uh, where can people learn more about you? Well, you can listen to my podcast at Equipped to Be, and that is played on all the different podcasts. Uh, and Parenting Beyond the Rules is found at all major retailers. You can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target. Uh, you can also uh, find me at ConnieAlbers.com. Uh, you can check me out on social media, ConnieAlbers.author, and on Instagram, pretty much all of them. 
uh, you can you can find me over there. I, I love connecting with people. And it is. I love having my feet in the social media marketing world. And I love having my feet in the parenting homeschool world. They all do kind of go together in an ironic kind of way. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I have learned so much from you. And definitely check out the podcast. Here is the name again. And you interview some really amazing people on your podcast and get a copy of the book. So like parenting is a like I used to feel like because I can give birth, I know how to be a mom. I was like, that is absolutely wrong, right? It is such a learned skill. It's an art and a science at the same time. So keep learning. Yeah. And thank you so much, Connie, for an incredible conversation. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. I, I know I missed quite a few questions. So I will I'll definitely go back to revisit some of the questions. And thank you for joining us live from all over the globe. And next Friday, we're going to talk about kids attending high achieving schools and what are the damage that those children are experiencing. So definitely check that out next Friday or Saturday for some of you, same time, same location, and check out Connie, her podcast and follow her on social media. Thank you so much, everyone. Have an amazing weekend. Bye. Bye.